Incoming transmission. Radio Rebellion. Rebellion, another episode of Radio Rebellion, a Star Wars podcast. And let me say that again. Welcome to the Rebellion. You know why? Because we are the Rebellion. Doesn't matter what anybody out there says. Thank you for being here. I am your host, Alberto Caldera. And as you can see down there, that's my name, Alberto. Let's put this up there. There you know, Radio Rebellion, a Star Wars podcast. How are you guys doing on this pre-Valentine Saturday? Galentine for everyone out there celebrating Galentine. Go have fun. It's going to be a fun one today. It's fun one every week. Last week, man, you, I hope you guys saw last week's episode. We had Andrew Geha from Outer Rim Reads. We had a lot of fun last week talking about all the canon books, some Legends book, what we're looking forward to. I lost power. He kept going. It was a tremendous show. Thanks again, Andrew, for being here. Make sure that you guys are checking out his podcast. And yeah, today, Light of the Jedi, finally, finally the day has arrived when we're going to start discussing the High Republic. I've said it before, the High Republic is what I had been anticipating, my most exciting, is that the way you say it? So what I was most excited for in Star Wars was the High Republic. I've been saying it for, I don't know, almost a year since they explained what the High Republic was. We have three books already come out and a bunch of comics. Uh, and it's been great. Uh, we're going to start today with Light of the Jedi by Charles So. That's the first one that came out. Next week, we're re reviewing A Test of Courage by Justina Ireland, another great book. And then in about two or three weeks after that, because we're going to have a couple of guests, guests come on, talking about different things. And early March, early to mid-March, we're discussing that great, great, great book by Claudia Gray, Into the Dark which might have just topped my list of favorite Star Wars book. We're going to be doing that with one of the co-hosts of 60 Minutes. Andres Alvarez will be here. We're going to have a great show. That's next. That's starting in the future. Today, Light of the Jedi. Well, how are you guys doing? Thank you for being here as always. I'm glad that you're taking part of today, this Saturday, to spend with me talking a little bit about... Um, Star Wars, Lord of the Jedi, Dale, how are you doing? Sorry, Dale, you're not a Valentine's overrated sometimes. So I know you're not, it doesn't matter. We're talking Star Wars and we're going to have fun, Dale. Thanks for being here, Dale. We always have fun when you're around. You have some great questions. You always great stuff on the chat. So we're going to do our full review of Lord of the Jedi. This is a spoiler review. So make sure that you've read this book. If you're watching this or listening to this on the audio podcast later on when it comes out on Monday. As always, don't forget to like this video. Uh, make sure to leave us a comment if you're watching this later on the replay when it plays afterwards. And subscribe. Subscribe to the channel. We're up to 81 subscribers. Again, once we reach 100, we'll do something. We'll do a, a live stream of a movie or live commentary or something. Uh, there are a movie or a TV show, 
we'll figure it out. But once we get to 100 subscribers, we'll have some extra fun. Uh, and if you're listening to this on the audio podcast, make sure that you're subscribed to it so you don't miss when new episodes drop. And make sure that you please, please, please leave us a rating and a review. It helps us to know how the show is doing, how you guys are liking it or not liking it, plus puts us out there more into other people purview so they can find us and we can keep growing and have more fun with Radio Rebellion. Welcome to the Rebellion. We are the Rebellion. All right. So with that said, come on, let's get on it. So like I said, spoiler, spoiler review for Light of the Jedi. So here we go. Choice Souls. Like I said, he's the writer for Light of the Jedi, the first book in the High Republic. So real quick, a quick background on the High Republic. This was announced years ago as Project Luminous. There were a lot of speculation what Project Luminous was going to be, something to do with Jedi most likely, because Luminous beings, is it going to be in the future after Episode 9? Is it going to be between Episode 6 and Episode 7? A lot of speculation. And then last year, I believe, or during Celebration Chicago, it was announced that Project Luminous was actually called um, the High Republic 200 years before the events of the Phantom Menace when the Jedi were at their peak, at their highest. And this was going to be an all-encompassing publishing saga, publishing era. It was going to be books. I mean, adult books, YA, middle grade, comic books, children books, a lot of stuff. Everything was going to be connected in in the High Republic. And so far, it's been a blast, not just reading it. Every single novel has come out, has topped the New York Times bestseller book for weeks on end, Into the Dark just topped it this past week. So for you haters out there that said the High Republic was dead on arrival, I don't know where you're getting your information, but the High Republic has been awesome. If you love reading Star Wars books or comics, make sure that you're following uh, High Republic. It is what I wanted, what I expected, putting Star Wars in a different era, characters that we don't know anything about. But again, that was the the conversation. Is it going to feel like Star Wars? Will it be Star Wars enough with characters that we don't know and so far in the past? Or should they go even farther a thousand years and do the Old Republic? No, 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 we're not going that far. We'll leave the Old Republic for something else. And there's a lot of mention to Old Republic, a lot of mentions to the Jedi Sith Wars in this book and some others. So that was, they have something. They're, they're planning on it. So, and then I around November or December, I don't know exactly when it was, they revealed that the High Republic was divided into three phases very similar to what they do with movies, something that the MCU has done a lot is, oh, this is phase one, phase two, three, four. So the High Republic was divided into three phases and those phases are Light of the Jedi, which just started. Our second phase is called Quest of the Jedi. And the third and final phase is Trials of the Jedi. Just reading these three books that are out right now, uh, I'm scared for that third phase. Trials of the Jedi, I'm scared what what that's going to mean for the Jedi and the Jedi Order. And knowing that when this ends, around that same time we're getting, in terms of timeline, I don't know when it comes out, the TV show The Acolyte, which is the dark, not the dark side, but dark, uh, yeah, the rise of the dark side at the end of the 
High Republic era. So that last phase is going to be interesting. But right now, Light of the Jedi phase one has been rocking it right there. Whoever said the High Republic was DOA, DOA is not reading or listening to books. And that's right. And not everyone needs to read the books. Not everyone reads the books. They prefer the visual medium. And that's 100% fine. You don't need to. It's just to say that it's dead or it's not doing numbers or whatever, just because you don't read it, that's completely separate. I don't read the comic books just because there aren't, I don't have enough time. There's a lot of comic, book, comic books to get to get into in Star Wars, so I don't follow all of them. But I can't say that they're not doing great because I just don't follow them. As far as I know, the comic books are also doing great numbers, have a lot of readership, and I do believe that's the case. But again, if you're not reading the books, that's totally fine. But don't say that there's been a, a failure just because you don't read them. But if you're reading Light of the Jedi, and Test of Courage and Into the Dark, I haven't seen really negative reviews out there. So we'll see. Um, so like I mentioned last week, I started a few weeks ago a new blog site. It's called, you can search for it, radiorebellionpodcast.wordpress.com. I know it's a long one. You can just click on my uh, tree link, link tree, and you'll find, find it right there. And I'm putting all my reviews there just because since I'm doing the podcast reviews for them a month, a month and a half after the books have come out, I want to have all my thoughts ready and put that on the blog site first. So we have reviews there for Throne Ascendancy, Chaos Rising, um, A Taste of Courage, and also for Light of the Jedi. Most likely at the end of this coming week or sometime this week, I'm going to have... Um, into the Dark, my review will be there. Thanks, Dale, for saying that the comics are only $3.99 on Comixology. Comixology, where you can get all your comics for only $3.99. They're not a sponsor, but maybe in the future. Thank you, Dale. Uh, with that said, I have read a few comics, and I'm glad I have, because there's a lot of connections to the Knights of uh, Rise of Kylo Ren comic book, which also, especially in Into the Dark and all throughout. So I've been glad that some of the comics that I've read are also playing into the High Republic. So great connection. Again, we always wanted that connection in Star Wars. They're, they're doing it. So get on it, people. All right. So like I mentioned, I made my review on my blog site. So I'm just going to read from it real quick because that's all my thoughts were there. I didn't want to wait till today because I things were just going to get messed up. So I have all my notes that I'm going to read those. Then I'll go ahead and do my ratings for the book, which I divide into several categories. And instead, like I've done in my past reviews, I usually then just break the book down, do a summary of it. But this book is so much. All my notes when I started were 16 pages long. I broke it down to eight. But we'll be here for three hours, and now we got to try to finish this as close to one hour as possible. So I'll do my review first, do I rate in seconds, then go over some important things that I learned from this book and that I like. Uh, new characters who obviously talk about the villains, marching on Rao, ride his arm, uh, the Nile. Um, quotes, you know me, I love my quotes in Star Wars. There's a lot of great quotes. And then depending how, how we do it on time, we'll add a few parts from the book, review maybe the last part of the book. I mean, recap the last part of the book, part three. And then we have two fan questions. I do want to get into it, want to leave enough time for them because they are great. 
and it's gonna have us talking. So let's go ahead and let's start with our review of Charles Soul, Light of the Jedi. So like I mentioned, this starts the High Republic era. So this book needed to hit. And this, so the, the best way to me to start this review is to say that this book felt like a trilogy of movies. It is a heavy book. It is almost 100 pages long. It's not a fast read. It is a heavy book, but it needed to be in order to kickstart the new Star Wars era. It basically serves as the crawl for what will become the High Republic era. Uh, you can start a new Star Wars saga with a small, small, small scale conflict and only a few characters. And Light of the Jedi isn't anything, isn't anything like that. It's big scale, big galaxy wide conflict, uh, dozens of characters. And some might say that it is too much and too many characters to follow the story. But I believe the way the chapters are divided, the chapter length, and the way the chapters are titled, especially in part one, because you can follow the different stories, helps follow the different storylines and the reader doesn't get confused on what's going on. For me, just because for me it helped, mainly because I was reviewing the book, to keep a list of characters as they first appeared, or as they were first introduced, so I can always refer back to it if the name comes up later in the book and I don't remember who that character was or what they were doing. I could always refer back to those. So all the different characters didn't, wasn't too much of a bother for me. The first two chapters, man, they can be an emotional gut punch because you're introduced to characters that are easily likable and they mean well. And as soon as you start getting attached to them and form a connection with them, sorry, they're removed from the equation. Charles Hall doesn't mess around with how important or how devastating the events are happening in, at the beginning of the High Republic, it lets you know that people are not safe. Uh, so we're introduced to the captain of the legacy run, Heda Cassett, and she, her ship is the one that starts the great disaster. And she reminds me of the best Star Trek captain, captains out there. She keeps her ship in the best condition possible, no matter how old the ship is, um, taking care of everyone on board from her first mate to this little kid that was just wanting to splice into the system to download new games. She cares about everyone that's on board her ship. Uh, she dies trying to save the 9,000 souls that are on board. We then meet a technician whose job was just to log in, log in who came in and out of hyperspace. And he was anxious to finish his work shift so he could go to his favorite bar, finally asked this girl out that he's had a crush for ever. She had always been nice to him, so he was looking forward to that, just to lose him as the first casualty of the emergences, emergences, which is what all these great disasters starts happening. All the pieces from these ships start coming out of hyperspace, and he's the first casualty of it. So it tells you right there and there that no one is safe from this event. You might, again, Charles Soldos are great, job these first two chapters getting you invested in the story invested in the characters and then you lose them they die right there so no one's safe everyone that's going to get introduced in this book and they're in some type of peril you don't know if oh that's fine he's a jedi he'll be fine not really we just lost two people at the beginning of the book and again this is spoilers we lose more people down the road jedi we lost we lose a bunch of jedi here so then lena so the chancellor of the republic 
she had a big ambitious dream to unite all of the galaxy under one banner. We are the Republic. We are all the Republic, like right? This goes 20 times through the book. We are all the Republic. And the Starlight Beacon was the first of many beacons or stations across the outer ring to bring those planets and sectors into the fold of the Republic. And I didn't catch this when I was reading it the first time because I was sold. Lena sold, Lena sold, sold me on this new we are all the republic let's get all together and form this coalition but then reading other people's review of it and not trusting lina soul so much is wait a minute this sounds a little bit like colonialism taking independence away from different sectors and in the galaxy different planets trying to bring them to the fall of the republic so is she really this great chancellor out there that wants to unite everyone? Or is she using this as an excuse to have control of the whole sector, not just the inner rim and the core world? She wants to now stretch out her power to the outer rim with this banner that we are all the Republic. We don't know. We'll have to wait and see. So Starlight Beacon will be the first responder for virtually every Republic or Jedi-related issue in that expansive space of the outer rim. It will also have the largest concentration of Jedi outside the Coruscant Jedi Temple. And at this point in the story, Jedi have established outposts in the outer rim to help those in need, but they operate independently and without direct assistance from the Jedi Temple. So we were, when the High Republic was introduced, they told us the Jedi are gonna be like rangers in the, wild wild west right they're going to be out there trying to help people but they're basically on their own there's they don't have that this backing from coruscant and the jedi temple so how are they going to be able to react when there are issues happening in that corner of the galaxy and it is just them and Charles soul does a great job illustrating some of those difficulties villains let's talk about the villains real quick but before let me take a sip i'll take a sip of my water so we are used to Jedi fighting dark side users mostly. Sorry, dark side, we're used to the Jedi fight, fighting dark side, dark side users, mostly the Sith. The Republic has had to deal with pirates, bounty hunters, trauma organizations in the past, but they've never been the real threat to the galaxy, right? We had the hot cartel and all that, but they weren't re the real threat to the galaxy. It was the Sith and things of that nature. Not here. And what was the one of the things that led to the High Republic? It was, what do the Jedi fear? And that's where the story started taking place. And we're introduced here to a new set and a new type of, of villain that what we're used to in Star Wars. A Viking-like group of marauders that have a unique structure to their organization, the Nile. So we've been he hearing about the Nile for a while, we've seen some of their designs, great designs. And here in Light of the Jedi, we finally are introduced to the Nile and their organization, quote unquote, how they work together. Uh, they are described in the book as a play or a hunt, hunting beast that could not be escaped. Raiders, thievery, murderers, kidnappers. They move like, move like spirits and kill like devils. They took what they want and destroy what they didn't. They were led, but not really, at least not at the beginning, by Markion Rowe, the Eye of the Nile. 
an enigma basically till the end of the book when we see his whole plan come together. Uh, he was the one that saw the true potential of the organization of denial, but he needed to move some pieces around to make sure everything fell into place. They looked up to him as the one that had the crucial information that they needed to make their attacks and that is what we're introduced to and we learn is called the path. That's what the, the Nile used, the path. We'll talk a little bit, whoops, I dropped my notes. We'll talk a little bit more about what the paths are in a minute. So they looked up to him for the path because that's what they needed, but they didn't report to him. They had their own managers, if you want to call them that, they're Tempest runners. So he has some connection to the Jedi. Mike Monroe has some connection to the Jedi, but it hasn't been truly revealed yet. And that's going to be very interesting moving forward. The Nile was divided into three Tempests. And each Tempest was, was led by a Tempest runner, all independent of each other, but still contributing. And the structure was you have your Tempest runners running that Tempest. Then it goes down to a storm, then a cloud, and then a, a strike. That's the smallest group, usually like two or three people were on a strike. Then if you recruited more and you did well, you move on to a cloud, do the same thing, recruit more people to your group, to the Nile, go out there marauding Viking style, keep recruiting, do a good job. Then you move up to a storm and then to a tempest. So the Nile are basically the, an intergalactic pyramid scheme, right? You start low, and the more people you bring into the fold, then you move up. So yes, the Nile are a pyramid scheme, and don't let anyone else tell you otherwise. Uh, Dale, you're saying Markion Rose is a bit evil at first, then by the end, you know, I'm gonna say now. So yes, when I got this book, I got it a little bit later because I was able to get this, a signed copy, which is awesome, by Charles Soule. There it is, look at that beautiful signature by Charles Soule. So it came a few days late, it's about two or three from when it was, when it came out that Tuesday. And a lot of people were loving denial. Oh, denial, all right, I love the denial. I'm reading the book and I'm like, I'm not seeing it. Okay, they're a good, uh, good group, but they're pirates, they're marauders, they're just thieves. We've seen this before, maybe not as organized and as big, but then as the story goes on and you start learning more about Mark Monroe and what his plan is and his past a little bit, you say, oh, okay. That's why you have to read the whole book before you make your final conclusion. So yes, by the end of this book, Mark Monroe is, like you're saying, he's pure evil. He's bad. He's very a bad, bad man, that Mark Monroe. But he's buff. You seen that cover for the new comic? You gotta be careful. I mean, I've, we've seen this book. He, Punches one of the Tempest on Kassav straight in the mouth, breaks his face, cuts off his arm. Don't get on Markion Rose evil. Like I'll read it later, but I think one of the Pan Ayet, no, Lorna D, one of the other Tempest runners, calls him a predator at the end because she finally saw him for what he was a predator, which he is. All right, so we're, so pyramid scheme. The Nile are a pyramid scheme. That's where we are. Uh, their motto was, ride the storm, baby, yeah. So we have uh, the Republic saying, we are all the Republic. And then we have the Nile, ride the storm. So two very different positions. They follow the rule of three, which is that everyone that fights gets a spoil of what was won. And with the Nile, everyone eats. 
they weren't obviously a fan of the Republic expanding into the outer rim because that's taking over their territory. At this point, they're a little bit low key. The people in the area know who the Nile are. They're afraid of the Nile, but down in the out in the inner rim core worlds, they really don't know too much about them, and they wanted to keep it that way. Whew. It doesn't work out that way for them. And then we have forgot to put this up. Yeah, we're talking Lot of the Jedi. Forgot if you're ready. Let's talk Star Wars. Lot of the Jedi. So. We're introduced to a great bunch of new characters and new Jedi. So we are introduced to a large variety of Jedi, all with different abilities and unique ways of sensing or connecting to the Force. So Eivor Chris heard a song. Also man saw a storm-tossed sea. Buriaga Agaburi, the Wookiee Jedi, was a single leaf on a giant tree. Douglas Sunveil was the, saw the Force as a set of gears made of different material. Bell Sedifar danced with fire and Loden Greystorm danced with the wind. I truly believe, and I keep saying this, Qui-Gon Jinn, he would, would have fit perfectly in this new era. He was meant to be in the High Republic era, especially if you go through the other books, Into the Dark Man, Qui-Gon Jinn, you should have been Ola Jorani's master, you would have helped her so much. But who would have fit perfectly with the Jedi of this era? The Jedi were Luke, upon almost as mystical creatures that could could do the impossible and could never die or couldn't be killed, which then reminds us of Anakin Skywalker in the Phantom Menace talking to Qui-Gon, hey, Jedi can be killed. I hope, I wish that was, that was true. Uh, every time someone realizes that the Jedi are coming to help, I get emotional. I get the same hope that they do. I'll discuss this when Maybe not. So let me talk about it now. So what I mean, so the, those first two chapters, like I said, they're dread because you're introduced to these characters, you feel a connection to them, and then they die, unfortunately. It happens two straight chapters. So you think when you're reading that third, chap third chapter and we have this big emergence that people still don't know what the hell is going on, just things are appearing out of hyperspace, moving at almost light speed, and there's one thing heading to the planet or to the there's a lot of them starting to destroy different satellites and things. So you think, okay, here we go. The whole planet is going to be destroyed. Heads all prime. And then we hear it. This is Ava Chris from the Jedi Council. How may we assist you? So the same hope that the characters got at that point, I got that. Because I was ready to say bye to all these people we were just introduced in Chapter 3. But no, the Jedi are here. They're coming to help us. So I felt that spit of hope, like they say out there. Didn't last long, unfortunately. Um, so, so Jedi, they were able to accomplish great feats through the Force, especially when working together. We're used to, yes, Dale, three hours to impact. Every time they said three hours to impact, 60 minutes, I started, oh, no. But that first one, I, oh, man, yeah. So when the Jedi came, I was, yes, finally the Jedi are here. Everything's going to be fine. So we're used to Jedi, apart from Anakin and Obi-Wan, who worked together through the Clone Wars and the prequel trilogy, we're used to seeing Jedi working alone, just with the clone troopers, not two, two or three Jedis working together to accomplish a goal. So here we learn, no, no, Jedi, let's work together. So the more Jedi we have, the better we are in working through crises. Um, was attachment and romance allowed in the High Republic because we have a few Jedi here Avoid Chris and Elsor Man, 
they have some sort of connection. So they grew, they came up together through the Jedi Order. There's a scene when Elsa Man winks at Eva Chris, and she kind of dismisses him, but at the same time, gives him a little smile. They talk about retiring to Naboo after the time in the, in the Order is up. It says that Ava had feelings for Elsa Man, but she would never let him know. So it wasn't as hidden as it is in the prequel trilogy. And maybe this is the start of it. And by the end, depending what happens with all these characters, we see the Jedi that we've known from the prequel trilogy, why they decided to be a little bit more strict in the way they view the Force. So it's going to be interesting to see that. Uh, there's a lot of action in this book, especially space battles, which are easy to follow and understand for the most part, which is a little bit different from, example, sorry, all you out there, Andrew Geha, that loves Throne, the Throne book, sometimes the space battle might be a little bit difficult to follow for the way that Timothy Sun writes them. Here, the space battles are pretty easy to follow. Uh, we learn more about the Force, the Force powers. We learn more about lightsabers, how they're more than just weapons used for hand-to-hand -hand combat. They serve for their purpose in the Force world building and lore building for everyone out there that loves canon loves the lore of star wars getting new planets more characters and more stories behind this is the book for you it's a highlight in the in light of the jedi how much lore and world building they're doing just one book it adds to the canon while still connecting to established canon it is a different time period like we mentioned 200 years before the phantom menace with unknown characters, but it still feels 100% like Star Wars and belonging in Star Wars. Um, although an adventure to itself, Light of the Jedi serves as the jumping off jumping off point for multiple stories to come with multiple characters that we're going to start following. I do really hope that future books concentrate on smaller stories following a core group of characters, but still connecting to the, giant, the bigger overarching threat of the Nile and finishing up the whole saga and the whole phase with another big adventure to cap off the High Republic, like they do with the MCU, finishing up with Avengers and Endgame and all that stuff. And having read A Test of Courage and now Into the Dark, it seems to be that way. You start with a bang, like Light of the Jedi, like we mentioned, it's a big stakes, galaxy-wide impact. And then the other books, a little bit more smaller scale, smaller stories, but still connect to that main, main story that started everything. And you should probably by the end of it, we will have another great big battle that the whole galaxy is involved. And we'll see how that goes. So that, that's my notes for Light of the Jedi. That's my review that I wrote down. Great job by Charles Soul to start, start this new era this new phase in star wars it is daunting to move away from the skywalker saga i know we've mentioned it before not us but star wars fans in general have said okay it's time to move away from the skywalker saga the galaxies it's a galaxy it's, gal it's a galaxy so there has to be more than just this family and this conflict let's start exploring that so it's easy to say that but it's not as easy to actually, okay, let's go ahead and produce this. So starting this as a publishing event, event, I think it's a great way because it gives the authors and the writers a bigger platform in terms of developing the story. 
in a movie, you have two hours to introduce all of this. Um, so here we have a whole bunch of books and comics to to get used to. Uh, Dale, you're saying you got to finish on time. Blue Bantam, you capital 10, part two in 30 minutes. Don't worry, we'll get you to Blue Bantam. If you need to leave, leave. Come back later, watch it on the replay. It doesn't matter. We are all one big family in this Star Wars podcast in YouTube and universe. But you do what you got to do, man. We're all here. We're having fun. It doesn't matter. Um, so great job, again, by Choice Soul. Started kicking off the High Republic era. I think he did a awesome job with this daunting task. And let's rate this book. Let's do a couple of ratings. And you know me. This is Radio Rebellion. We have our probe droid back there as our symbol. And when we do our review, we don't give out stars. We give out probe droids. So let's start off with the stories. For Light of the Jedi, this story, we give it four and a half probe droids. I just said, the story in Light of the Jedi is a great one. It might be a little bit heavy, if you want to call it that. That is not an... It is an easy read. I will get into it in a minute, but it, it had to be very expansive, I guess. It couldn't just be one story that we follow three characters. It had to be a big arcing story with a lot of characters, a lot of planets that took time, a lot of different threats going on. But the story is engrossing. Every time I put the book down, I wanted to start reading back up again. Also, that we've known are more familiar with him with Star Wars comic books. I believe this is his first Star Wars adult novel. And he did a great job with the story and introducing what the High Republic is. So then we can go to all the other books and know what the narrative is. So Let of the Jedi, four and a half probe droids is what we're giving it. Well deserved. So then we go, as I just mentioned, is Ease of Reading. And here for ease of reading, we, we give Light of the Jedi three and a half probe droids for what I said. Even though you can follow it, I don't want to say pretty easy, but you can follow the story. There are a lot of characters and a lot of different stories going on at the same time. It is divided into three parts. So basically three acts of a movie or a play. The first part, there are mainly four stories going on at the same time. So that's what I said. It can be a little bit confusing jumping back and forth between the stories. But I believe the way that Charles Soule titles the, his, his chapter and tells you where the story is taking place, like Dale said, it starts with three hours to impact, two and a half hours. So an hour, 45 minutes. You, you know there's a countdown the, for a big event at the end. It tells you if it's happening on Hetzel Prime, which is the main planet, if it's happening on a ship that's close to one of the moon, the fruited moon, is it inside of a vector, which is one of the ships. So it tells you where the story is going. So you can follow it okay, but there's still a lot of stories going on at the same time that might be a little bit daunting for some, I wanna say novice readers or people that don't read novels too much, but I think I still follow it. So we give it three and a half stars for ease of reading. Following that, we have new characters. Come on, new characters, it's gotta be a five. Five probe droids for Light of the Jedi new characters. And we're gonna talk about them real quick, but apart from a bunch of Jedi that we are introduced and we care about them, 
we have denial and it's just oh yeah denial the hot cocktail or black sons or whatever no you know the characters here you know who's who you know you love marky and Rowe, already starting to become an iconic um iconic villain in star wars so five stars for the new characters in light of the jedi i want to learn about all of them so give me more five stars five sorry five prop droids for characters of light of the jedi then we move to and this is difficult but we gotta do it because we review all the books the same way is canon connection so canon connection we only give light of the jedi three probe droids but it's not its fault same with throne ascendancy it didn't connect a lot to establish canon for that of the Jedi because it's happening 200 years before anything that we've known. So it has to start basically from scratch, but we still have mentions of Yoda, mentions of Yarrow Proof is here, um, Hosnian Prime, Glean Selm, Ilum, Dantuin. So there's still connection to established canon. It's just not as much as we're used to to other Star Wars properties. So three probe droids for canon connection, but for expanding Star Wars. And this is what this book is about. Expanding Star Wars, four and a half probe droids. Charles Soule, Light of the Jedi, four and a half probe droids, expanding Star Wars, expanding the universe, creating lore, create world building. I said it a few minutes ago, we've got a bunch of planets. Uh, also talking about canon connection, we learn more about the Santeca clan. We met Lloyd Santeca in, La in The Force Awakens. We learn more about his family here, what they did 200 years ago. So it expands Star Wars in a way that we haven't seen in a long time, especially for a novel, because you have 400 pages to bring this story to life, encompassing so many characters, so many planets, so many different stories. We know the Republic, we know Coruscant, but it's a new Chancellor. It's not the new Republic from the sequel trilogies, it's not the Republic that we find in the prequel trilogies, a brand new Republic. All the different Jedi's, the way they connect to the Force, we expand Star Wars in a great way, so four and a half stars. And then finishing up our overall rating for Light of the Jedi by Charles Soule is four and a half probe droids only going down a little bit because of canon connection being three and ease of reading being three and a half we give light of the jedi four and a half overall score four and a half probe droids great book guys if you haven't gotten light of the jedi if you don't know so i'm gonna say this we get asked a lot when we do book reviews and other people that do reviews they don't know where to start with Star Wars canon because there's so many books out there and that's completely agree. I agree completely. It's difficult to start. If you want to start fresh, I want to read Star Wars books, but I don't know where to start. Start right here. The New Republic is a completely new era. You don't need to know anything else about the Star Wars book books. You can start with Light of the Jedi and then you start getting invested in all the new books that are coming out. We've already had, like I mentioned, a test of courage into the dark and there's already three more novels that have been announced i forget their names but we have the continuation i believe of a test of courage by justina arland we have one by kevin scott i want to say into the heart of the shadows might be the name we have one by uh daniel daniel jose Alder, who's doing a lot of the comics uh race to crash point 
Crash Course Point, I think, is another middle-grade book. So we have three more books coming between, I think, June and August. So if you want to get yourself into reading Star Wars book, you can start with Into uh, Light of the Jedi and start with The High Republic. It's a great way to start. All right. Oh, man. What do you guys think out there? If you're watching this later, let me know in the comments what your thoughts are on Light of the Jedi, if you've read it. Who are some of your favorite characters? What do you think about the Nile, Markion Rowe, if he's just the leader of a pyramid, pyramid scheme, or is he really, should, who, should be, who should he be up there with great schemers like Palpatine and Sidious? I know it's, it's still early, but he's, he's doing some stuff. All right, so like I mentioned before, let's now break some of the other parts of the book that I really, really enjoyed. Let's start with the quotes. I said before, I love my quotes in Star Wars, and there's some great quotes in this book that you can apply to life, you can apply to Star Wars, and just get you thinking a different way when you read these stories. So there's a part where they're, they're talking about reaching out with the Force and connecting with other Jedi, but they needed more because they needed Jedi that were all over the galaxy to help them. One of them says, distance, distance was nothing to the Force. So it doesn't matter if you're here in Coruscant and someone's on Tatooine, distance is nothing to the Force. For Ava Chris that connects with them, she connects with their thoughts and she can know and kind of organize what was going. She didn't need a protocol droid to help send us a message to someone. She could connect to them through the Force. Um, like you're saying, Dale, sorry, let me start where you said, it's sort of a three parts where they're happening at the same time through different points of view. It's really written well for that thought, for that though. And you're right, those first few chapters, there's different things going on at the same time, but I think they connect real well. Like you said, it will connect in, in Into the Dark, the Rise of Kylo Ren comic, how they're really connected to Snoke's planet. Man, I just finished Into the Dark yesterday. I can't wait to talk about that book. Into the Dark, man, yes. Um, so yeah, distance is nothing to the Force. We have a Jedi's only contact with fear was supposed to be seeing it in other beings. The Jedi weren't supposed to feel fear. And we know this, we've heard about Yoda talking about fear as a path to the dark side. So we know how that goes. Um, Loden Greatstorm, he says, why has the Force called, why has the Force called us to fight today? And Bell Selifar says, for life and light. Again, that's what the Jedi are, right? They're, they're, not, they're not warriors. They're not here to fight a war for anyone, but they're here for light and light. And it's funny because then reading Into the Dark, one of the characters at the end of the book says, for life and light. And I'm like, I, I've read that before. Where, where was it? Here we go. In Into the Dark, so for life and light. There's a great truth of the fourth of the force, no matter what a person was on the outside, inside everyone was made of light. And this is one of the things that we, especially now in this highly toxic atmosphere that we sometimes live in, knowing that no matter what people are on the outside, inside everyone is made of light. Let's do our best to work together. So inside everyone's made of light. All things are possible through the force, all of the Jedi were the Force, and the Force was all of them. Real similar to I am one, the I am one with the Force, and the Force is with me. Mastery of fear, always the Jedi's greatest test, which then reminds to everything that Yoda tells Luke in Empire Strikes Back, and uh, of course in 
The Last Jedi. But the, uh, there's something apart that says, but the Force did not make your decisions for you when talking. And then this reminds me, a lot of people say, oh, the will of the Force is just taking away free will. Here it says the Force tells you, but it doesn't make the choices for you. It's, there's still free will and there's a few, and I think this happens they're trying to do a Jedi mind trick, and that's when they say it's it's a little bit on that gray area. Gray, man. Into the dark, man. Just got to talk about Into the Dark soon. And then there's a great discussion about the Jedi's role in war and military actions. I just said, we can't fight a war for you. We're not, we're keepers of peace. We're not soldiers. But as we've seen in the Clone Wars, there's a line that they overstep and that might have been part of their fall. But there's a great discussion here about that same point. It's different Jedi talking with the Chancellor and some other politicians and they go, the Jedi are not a military force, but we have been a military force in the past talking about the great Sith Wars, but we are not at war now. What is our role in the Republic right now? I believe that the Jedi should at all times present to the many people of the galaxy a way of life centered on peace. But we are guardians of two ideals, peace and justice. Peace without justice is flawed. And then it ends, does the actions I'm about to, to take bring more light to the galaxy? There was a great discussion about the Jedi's role in a military conflict and in war. We're keepers of peace, we're not soldiers. Um, we should always present to the galaxy a way of life centered on peace, but the only way to achieve peace might be through justice, and the only way to do justice might be through confrontation. So the Jedi are put right there on that weird middle point that 200 years later will lead to Palpatine, Darth Sidious, and the fall of the Jedi, follow the Republic. So it starts from way back and it just takes this long to then happen um let me finish real quick there's some more stuff i wanted to talk about some extra information but we're running short on time i want to make sure everyone gets out to all the stuff they need to do today plus i want to get to those questions so some extra info if you don't know starlight beacon it would be the it would be manned by one jedi master also by a represent an admiral admiral of the RDC, which is the Republic Defense Coalition, I think it is, and a territorial administration. Hetzal Prime, which is the main planet that most of the conflict happens in this book, is basically the reverse Coruscant, where everything there was built around creating. It's not a city. Every available space was used to grow, to create, to cultivate. So it's, it was nice in that duality. Uh, vectors, the new Jedi ships are awesome. So we got to get some vectors out there. Um, I love this. Jedi change their lightsaber hilts regularly. We get so invested at fans talking about how important a lightsaber hilt is because Ray gave Luke lights, that lightsaber he hadn't seen since Darth Vader cut off his arm. It was his father's lightsaber. Now it's Ray's. Who does it belong to? Is it Vader's or Anakin's or Luke? Is it Rey's, the legacy lightsaber? And here they say, dude, Jedi changed the saber hilts constantly, even for design. 
they were broken, they were dirty, they want a different one, they just change it, it doesn't matter. What matters is your connection to the force, the kyber crystal, the hilt, we can change it. There's something called a Quarren-Mont Calamari Accords. I really wanna know what that is, because that seems interesting. The Calamari, the Montcala and Quarren Accords. So before, let's talk about some of the main characters and talk a little bit about the Nile and Morkian Rose. So Lina So, like I mentioned, is the Chancellor of the Galaxy of the Republic. She has two pet Targons, which are those four-eyed drag uh, lions, which are kind of empath. They can feel what she's thinking. So they were pretty cool. Eva Chris, like we mentioned, she could de detect the natural bond between force users and threaten them. Use, uses that basically as a communication network between the Jedi, which is awesome. We're gonna use that as a plot to answer one of our questions later. Elsor Man is a Jedi Knight and one of Avar's oldest friends. He usually worked alone. He never did this, never connected to the Force the same way twice. He always was experimenting with the Force and how he could use the Force to do different things. And that some Jedi didn't like that. He wanted to become a master just so he could have more access to the Jedi books out there in the archives, very similar to Anakin in the Return of the Revenge of the Sith novelization. He wants to be a master to be able to get those books, basically very similar to, he wants to study those forbidden texts, similar to Doctor Strange in that movie, wanted to just get some of the books that were forbidden. Elsa Man was that way. He wanted to just learn more about the force and how you could use it. By the end of the, of the book, he does become a master. Uh, Jora Mali, who was a member of the Jedi Council, she was going to be the lead Jedi on Starlight Beacon. Unfortunately, she dies very sadly. And then when we read Into the Dark, she's the Jedi Master of the main Jedi of Into the Dark, Rift Silas. And he doesn't know what's going on because he's on a different. This, uh, into the dark again, we gotta go into the dark. Uh, more Jedi, Bell Setifar, uh, Loden Greystone, which is the Twi'lek, um, Nibasek, Buriaga Agaburi, like we said, the Wookiee Jedi, Ember, who's the Charhound, uh, Porter Engel is another great Jedi. He's a Jedi, a cook. He just kind of started to lay down on his Jedi. He just wanted to be a cook. In Elfrona, again, Elfrona, we just talked with Dale, how uh, Rise of Kylo Ren comic book connects to Into the Dark. But also in that comic book, we have Luke, Lord Santeca, and a young Ben Solo going to Elfrona, which was this old Jedi outpost to get some artifacts. We see Elfrona here. That's where Bell is, Loden, Porter Engel, which, again, Jedi and a cook, have been in the Jedi Order for over 300 years. And during this time, he had been a teacher, an explorer, a diplomat, and a warrior, and was known as the Blade of Bardota. So Porter Engel, we gotta learn more about Porter. Say hey, hi to someone while I'll take a sip of my water. How are you doing, Nicole? Thanks for being here. Nicole Marie from Peace Love Star Wars, thanks for joining us. Uh, we're going a little bit faster. Uh, we did our main review of Light of the Jedi, gave our score and our rating, and we're just going over some of the other points that we really love about this book before jumping into our fan questions. You're saying, Nicole, that you enjoyed Light of the Jedi. I'll be reading Into the Dark in March for Book Club. 
Great. Again, into the dark, man. Nicole, you're in for a ride. Uh, one of our questions today might have a little bit of into the dark spoilers. You might want to jump off after that and then come back in March after you read into the dark. Then we'll do our full review of into the dark here, also about around mid mid March. You said, I'm curious of who your favorite Light of the Jedi character or characters are. Ava Chris. I really love Ava Chris when she was introducing this book. I love her connection to the Force, the way she connects to the other Jedi, the way she sees the Order and her place on it. Ava Chris became one of my favorite Jedi in this new era so far. As you go forward with the other books, some might maybe move up in that list a little bit. But from Light of the Jedi, Ava Chris is my favorite Jedi and also a man. He's an enigma also, kind of like Markian. Oh, Markian Row again. By the end of the book, he becomes one of our favorites. But I'm more of a Jedi guy, so I cannot gravitate to them. Also a man, because he sees the Force, he uses the Force in a different way. And by the end of the book, something happens. He has a vision, basically. And he sees all a nightmare and everyone's suffering. He feels the anger of a lot of Jedi, and that scares him. He's by himself, and he sees he has this vision of all that. So it's very interesting to see how that plays out later. Uh, so yeah, one spoiler, and I'm glad this one mentally mostly preferred for Into the Dark. Okay, if you say so. I thought I was. Into the Dark, man. It's, oh, can't wait. I can't wait to talk about it. Um, okay, so let's jump to the Nile. Let's talk a little bit more about the Nile. Uh, like I said, there's three Tempest runners that run most of it. Kasaf, Pan, Aita. I'm sorry, I might be screwing some of these names. I didn't have the audio version. So Kasaf, Pan, Aita, or Aira, and Lorna D. Those are the main guys. Uh, we learn a lot about Kasaf, who thank you for your sacrifice and your service, Kasaf. You did your job. You helped Mark and Rowe start his, put his plan into motion. We learn a lot about Lorna D, how ruthless she can be, but we haven't really learned a lot about Panaida. Um, we'll see how that goes, because these characters, if you've seen The Force Awakens, when you're in Masyanara's castle, and you got that big guy just sitting there with those big horns coming out, and if you play Jedi Fallen Order, he's, I think, the seventh sister, ninth brother, whatever, he's one of these big characters, very impressive looking and he doesn't do a lot and even when markian rose sends um Kasaf and lorna d to do stuff he tells pan no no just stay back hold back you don't i will talk later so it's gonna be interesting to see his role in all of this moving forward uh, all the ships of the now were had three bright slash lashes on the side basically like markings like war paint and that's how they identify each other they all wore masks of different designs. Um, they more of the, most of their it's called no space where they congregate, and that's what the area of sorry, it's what they now call the area that they inhabited no space because no one else could get there. They used the path to get there. Um, they were the only ones that knew how to reach it. It was an unmapped hyperspace lane which was delivered by Marquion Rowe and his father before him. Then they talk about something called the Great Hall. And this is where I thought the first connection or the 
the connection to the Knights of Ren comic book was coming, but that's mostly in Into the Dark. But it is an invisible vacuum shield dome on a Dura Steel platform, which I thought is the planet or that station that we see in the Rise of Kylo Ren comic book, but I think it's not because we do see that, sorry, spoilers for Into the Dark, but not really. We see that in Into the Dark. Each of the now ship was equipped with something called the path engines, and that's what they used to navigate hyperspace in this weird way that no one else knew how to track them. They didn't know to put, they didn't have to put these completed coordinates into their hyperspace compute computer, like Han Solo tells Luke and Obi-Wan when they're like, it's just, and even in the solo movies, just a simple jump in hyperspace was the big deal. You can run into a supernova or crash into a carbon bug or whatever. You don't have to do that with the path. Here's the path. That's how you're gonna go. Go and they just go into this different hyper, weird hyperspace. And the only way to get that was through the path with their path engines. And the one that was providing this was Markion Row, by in turn from Mary Santeca, who's a great 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 grand uncle or aunt or whatever of Lois Santeca and the Santeca. Uh, husband and husband um, team that we meet in Naboo, they're all family. There are these prospectors that have been uh, finding all the hyperspace lanes. She was kidnapped by the Mike and Rose family and then passed down through generations. She's the one that's able to find this path, gives them to Markion, and then he passes that on to the, the Tempest. All right, so Markion Row. Let's talk a little bit about Markion Row. So Markion Row starts, like I mentioned, about like this. He's not the leader of the Nile because they really don't need him. He doesn't go into battle, or he provides them with a way to travel hyperspace without being caught and just show up out of nowhere. So he's useful to them, but they really don't need him. So he's always talking about, if they want to kill me, they can kill me easily. That's fine. They'll go cook your dinner, do your food. Don't burn down your house. It's important. But thanks for being here. They'll always appreciate it. So like I said at the beginning, I'm reading the book. I'm seeing the Nile, and I'm not getting why people love this guy so much. And he keeps talking. I have a plan. I have a plan but the now need to evolve. It can't be this whatever it is now. And then we find out what his big plan is. He has some paths that he's kept for himself. He hasn't given them to the temp, to the Nile, just in case something happens. Well, his big plan is I'm going to set up Kasav, Kasav, because he, he made a blunder, which is going to work in my favor. I'm going to set him up and send his whole Tempest, which is over 100 sheep, to confront the Republic. The Republic is going to think that that whole 100 ship Tempest is the whole Nile organization. And they're going to leave me alone to do my job. So Kasaf, go find the recorder for the ship for the legacy run that blew up. Just go take it from the Republic. And he goes because he just got his face beat up a few pages before. Sacrifices, sacrifices himself, basically. But that way, then Markion Rose steps into the limelight of the now saying, Kasav, sacrifice yourself for the greater good so we can now move forward. 
we're not going to hide any longer in the outer ring. We're going galaxy-wide. So he turned into Pitbull, into Mr. Worldwide. So we're going galaxy-wide. And his plan is in motion. So he now he is the face of the Nile. Uh, Lorna D saw him as the predator that he always was. And his whole plan, his whole idea that he had been working on is coming into fruition. So the Republic knows about us, but they think they've destroyed most of us. So we're just going to hide here. No, we're going to attack you with Maris and Tekka and the way she can navigate hyperspace. We can show up in Coruscant if we wanted, with no one knowing that we're coming. Get the hell out if we need to. And then we learn that he has a connection to the Jedi. We don't know that what that is, but at the end of the book, he's able to capture one of them, Lord and Greystorm. He captures Loden, takes him back to his ship, the Gaze Electric, keeps him locked up next to seven other prisoners. So he's always feeling their fear and their, their despair. So he can't concentrate into the force to attack uh, Mark Monroe. He obviously takes his lightsaber from him and then tells him, my family knew the Jedi. They betrayed us or they didn't help us. And now you're going to feel what it is to be in my position, basically. He has this weird glow rod weapon that glue uh glow i think purple and now we're starting to get okay so he has a connection to the jedi he knows how to control them by keeping them surrounded by darkness basically basically so they can't use the force he has a weird weapon that might be used against them and now he said to all of them now go ahead recruit more because we're going to war and they don't know about us because they think they just killed us all but they're coming to our territory. We don't want them here. This is the outer rim. Stop your colonizing ways. Stay in the core world. So now everything starts coming to fruition. And then we have uh, Elsor Man having that vision at the end of Jedi in fear, dying. So here we go. So like I said, Light of the Jedi says this is, has this big opening battle and opening galaxy-wide conflict and then sets up the stage for the future of the High Republic. And I think it did it in a wonderful way. So can't wait to read what what comes next. Like I said, a test of courage is a smaller story. Into the dark is a smaller story, still connected to this one. So I want to see in a few more books or novels where everything they just come together in that big battle with the now at the end and what Mark and Rose evil plan is leading up to. So Again, Charles Souls did a great job with Light of the Jedi. Go check it out, man. You got you gotta read it. Let's jump to one of our favorite parts segments of the show. And it is when I hear from you guys in Rebel Thoughts. So yes, Rebel Thoughts. Like I said, we have two. Two Rebel Thoughts today. And we'll start with our first one from our friend. There we go. From our friend Oti Del. El podcast de Star Wars. So, Alti, great friend of the show. He's been here a few times. He, he has his own Star Wars podcast. Go check it out. EP at EPS Star Wars. If you're Hispanic, you know what that means. So, EP, El podcast de Star Wars. Go check it out. He writes, Light of the Jedi has become my favorite Disney era story. The characters, the state of the galaxy, Markeon, Effing Road, the now, everything is just so compelling. Do you think that now will be the main bat, or do you think that Sith will, at some point, play into the story? Thanks, Oti, for your questions. For your question, this is a, 
an interesting one. And I think it does deserve some, some thought, some rebel thought into it. Will the now or the Sith be the big bats in this story? So I think in general, the now will be the main bats of the High Republic. We've been told that we know by the Phantom Menace when they meet Darth Maul, there's that conversation with Qui-Gon and the Council. Oh, Dark Lord of the Sith, they've been extinct for a millennia or something like that. So I don't think that the Sith will play a big role in the High Republic going forward. With that said, there is mention of the Great Sith War, mention of the Jedi versus Sith. There's dark side energy. There is the Sith are mentioned in A Test of Courage and really also mentioned in Into the Dark. So the Sith are around. Will they be, will they come back in the High Republic as some Sith Lords out there? If they come, they'll be in the shadows and they will have any real interaction with the Jedi as Sith. So they might show up, but I think they're gonna wait till the end of the High Republic, knowing again that the show The Acolyte is coming, it's based at the end of the High Republic and has to deal with the dark side. Maybe by the end of the High Republic, we start seeing some more Sith come into play. And then with the Acolyte, that's where they'll be introduced again into the Star Wars fold. So I don't think right, at least for the first saga, the first, phase and second phase of the High Republic. I don't think we'll see the Sith, but they'll be mentioned. And I think maybe, maybe a small maybe, by the end, they'll come into play. But the now, I think are gonna be the main bats. What I don't know is how long the High Republic is in terms of years. It just started in 2021. It, there's three phases. Is phase two gonna start in 2022 and phase three, 2023? Or is it going to be for five, six, seven years? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. The short, the closer it is to two or three years, then I think we will see the Sith before. So we'll see. All right. So here we go. Our second question. This one, like I mentioned before, there's going to be some slight spoilers for Into the Dark. So either stay if you don't mind or pause it, read into, finish Into the Dark, and then come back and listen. So our friend, we mentioned them before, at 60 Minutes. So 60 Minutes, again, is a great Star Wars podcast, a new podcast out there. They, they see this through a news cycle type of podcast. It's a little bit different. different. So at 60 Minutes writes, hashtag Rebel Thoughts. Which Jedi do you think will fall to the dark in the High Republic? And which flow will do them in? There's people fighting the urge to love, others dealing with trauma, and some just trying to be as far removed from the council as they can. Thank you, 60 Minutes, for these questions. And question, and like I mentioned before, one of their co-hosts, Andres Alvarez, will be here in a few weeks when we do our review of Into the Dark. So again, spoilers for Into the Dark, some spoilers for Ates of Courage. So sorry, but spoilers for the High Republic. But let's go by books. So from Light of the Jedi, I would think, I mean, Loden Greystone has been taken hostage. He's been tortured by Markeon Rowe. So he might be the one, right? From the Light of the Jedi, he might be the one. I don't think so. He has a strong connection to the Force and always sees the light. 
we have his Padawan, Belcelifar, that depending what happens to Loden, he might fall the Anakin Skywalker away, be angry, want revenge, and then fall to the dark side. Difficult. Elsor Man is the one that's teeter totter because, like I mentioned before, he sees he uses the force in a different way. A lot of Jedi masters don't like the way he uses the force because he's always experimenting, and he already had a dark side vision, basically of Jedi dying and all that similar stuff. Similar to going back to the MCU, I guess. Tony Stark, when Scarlet Witch Wanda gets into his mind and he sees the vision of all of the Avengers dead, and then that promotes move his story forward to everything that we know. So he has a similar type of vision. So maybe Elsa Man is the one. And I just thought about this a little a few days ago. Is then we have Aval Chris. Like I said, she can make a connection to all the Jedi through the Force and use that as a communication network. If she connects to a bunch of Jedi and she starts seeing fear in them, a lot of them start dying or they're afraid, uh, they want revenge or Jedi turning to the dark side, all this emotion, all those negative thoughts connected to her through the force might unfortunately turn her to the dark side or lose her connection to the force. So, and that's gonna be difficult because right now, Ava Chris is Yoda, right? She's the main, the main Jedi out there, the one we look to when we need help is Avar Chris. If something happens with her connection with all the other Jedi and that draws her dark side, that's going to be tough. Then if we move to a test of courage, the easy one to say is Imri Kantaros or Kantaros, because spoilers, if you haven't read it, shot it for a few minutes. He already had a brush with the dark side in a test of courage. He lost his master in Douglas Sunbale. He wanted revenge or some denial, and he went to the dark side. Uh, Vernestra Rowe was able to bring her back, bring him back. So it's easy to say that Inri Cantaros might just because of anger, and I think that's still there. Even though he was brought back to the light, they're still there. So Inri Cantaros might be just because of anger and revenge. And then we go to Into the Dark. Man, everyone. <laughs> Everyone in Into the Dark might just fall to the dark side or lose their connection to the force. And that's why I love that book so much, why I can't just, I can't wait to talk about Into the Dark in depth. But there's so there's three main Jedi in that book or four. And I won't go too much into spoilers, but at least three of them are, are it's gonna happen. Either they're gonna go to the dark side or they're just going to remove themselves from the Jedi Order. And the way that Claudia Gray wrote, writes Into the Dark and all the conflicts with the Force, not with the Force, with the Jedi, the Jedi Order and the Jedi Code breaks the question of what's going to happen. I think we know about the Lost 20, the 20 Jedi that lost faith in the Jedi Order and left. Either turned to the dark side like Count Dooku or just left. And I think we're going to see those here. I think the High Republic is going to end with the Lost 20 and all the Jedi that leave the Order for different reasons. And that was set into motion by, Cloud by Claudia Gray in, a, in Into the Dark in a beautiful, beautiful way. Ola Jareni as a way seeker. Um, Master Cormac. This, uh, 
So I won't go too much into it because I want to talk about it when we do our Into the Dark spoiler talk. But at least those three, because they lost their conviction in the Jedi Order, they believe more in the living force than what the Order is telling them. Comac, that's Ola Jareni. Comac because he doesn't believe that the force, that the Order telling him not to mourn the passing of his master or to feel anything is just wrong. So he might feel disillusioned with the Jedi Order. And then there's because of everything he went through in that book. So there's a lot of Jedi that might either fall to the dark side or just lose their connection with the Jedi Order and just go their separate ways. Whew. So yes, thank you, 60 minutes for your questions. Thank you, Oti from Ed Podcast and Star Wars for your question. They were great. Uh, thank you, everyone that came in the chat to talk today about Lot of the Jedi. Thanks for being here. Don't forget, if you're watching this now, to just like the video real quick. Make sure you subscribe to our channel and leave us a comment if you're watching this later on the replay. If you're listening to this on the audio podcast, please make sure to rate, review, and also subscribe to it. Oh, so that does it. That's going to do it for today's show. Thank you guys again for being here. Um, you can follow me like you've seen down there on Twitter and Instagram at Radio Rebel Pod. Uh, you can see our written reviews of all the, these books and more to come on RadioRebellionPodcast.wordpress.com. And we'll be back next Saturday with our breakdown spoiler review of Justina Ireland, A Test of Courage. Don't sleep on that book because it was a middle grade book. There's great, great, great stuff in that book. If you like Force lore, the Jedi, and a lot of what makes Star Wars Star Wars, some of those themes that we love, A Test of Courage is very important. So make sure that you check that book out. Uh, thanks, Nicole, as always, for being here. Thank you, Dale. Thanks to anyone else watching out there today, tomorrow, three months from now, whenever you get read Light of the Jedi, they come check this review out. Let us know in the comment what you thought. And as always, thanks for being here. Stay safe, be safe, and may the force be with you. Radio Rebellion.